0: You're in a fenestration conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now, here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hey, everybody. Pat Flannery coming at you again. Uh, Today, I uh, have got two great guests. Uh, Jim Satterwhite uh, from uh, AGL, uh, Advanced Glazing. And uh Doug Milborn, he is the founder and chairman uh J- Jim is the CEO. welcome to you both.
1: Thanks Thank you, you very much
0: Yeah it was uh it was really I, I I wanted to talk to you guys because um primarily because you're working with aerogel. Uh, you are you were doing an aerogel fill in your uh in your Solera wall product. Uh, and uh, I, I had some great conversations at, uh, at the trade show here in uh, Toronto recently. Uh, it's something I, I had uh, published about a couple of years ago, uh, just more a, a speculative thing. You know, here, here's aerogel. Does it have uses as an insulating glass uh, material? You know, it's, it's obviously high thermal conduct or low, very, very low thermal conductivity. It's, it's something we'll get into in a minute. Uh, and, uh, and there you guys are uh, working with it. You've got a product with it. Uh, uh, lots of great experiences that we're going to get into. So uh, that's that's and, and and as I was you know talking to you guys offline, um, the timing is right. Everybody's interested in alternative materials. Everybody's interested in looking at different ways that we can hit the energy performances that we need. And uh, I'm I'm very interested in this question of of, of what aerogel might mean to our industry. Um, so uh, and and you guys are the are the ones who know the experience first of all. I'm gonna get you both to introduce yourself. Uh uh Doug, why don't you go first? Uh tell us about yourself and your your background in the industry and what
2: you're doing these days. Sure. Uh I spent a lot of years in university and uh because it was a great place and I had a lot of fun and I, I kind of liked I got in the research world uh, uh and and which was just a bunch of fun for me. Um and I started off uh, applied physics is where my first two degrees were PhD in mechanical engineering, University of Waterloo, a place called the advanced glazing laboratory. And, uh, with a guy who's a pioneer in solar thermal energy and, and they also did high performance window work there, uh, you know, starting in the, uh, in the late eighties. And, uh, yeah, so the advanced glazing laboratory probably says a little bit about the company and whatever else, uh, straight out of grad school, uh, I started a company uh, to uh, start a company. I started Advanced Glazings Limited to commercialize something I'd work. My research was on things like aerogel and honeycomb transparent insulation and the like. And uh, I started the company to commercialize uh, uh, this whole thread of technology and to make useful products out of it.
1: Awesome. Jim, same question to you yeah no, i've uh, I've got a little different track than than Doug, but we all came together at the right point in our careers but i'm I'm actually uh trained in architecture but uh decided I wasn't very good at it and I got involved in materials and construction methods all on materials that go on the on the outsides of buildings that bring in light so I've had design experience commercialization experience with products from glass to plastics to everything along the way and uh That led me along a path, which is how I got into AeroGel. And I got into AeroGel by being hired by the manufacturer of the AeroGel quite a number of years ago to take a new AeroGel technology they had. It's Cabot Corporation is the name. And they were making a granular AeroGel. And they hired me in a global role to take on commercialization of AeroGel in the building and construction uh, field and spent a long time with them. Uh, and that's actually what brought Doug and I together. We came came together through that experience. And uh, later on, uh, we came together to start working together on commercializing and ex- expanding commercialization of this Solera product that we've had in the market for a long time. We added Aerogel component to it and have successfully commercialized that. And that's why we're all here today is because we're we're doing very well with this product and the market conditions are perfect for it. So you're your audience should find this an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. D- describe AGL to me, Jim. Uh uh, uh what what company size, uh, what what are you guys doing, where are you operating, that sort of thing.
1: Well, Doug, you want to answer that? It's your, your maybe Doug, baby, You're it's up. Doug's baby. Yep. yep.
2: Sure. We're uh sit here in a snowy day in uh in, in Sydney, Nova Scotia, Canada. We're a Canadian company. So University of Waterloo Roots combined with yep. uh, you know, it's come through in Cabot and and uh, Jim resides in Boston. Anyway, we have our, our company is uh we're about uh we're just under 50 people at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh and we've been around for, yeah, we started in '96. Mm-hmm. Uh and we have I forget the count now, but we got, I think I'm going to say 3,000 projects up Yeah, uh, easily. that are, you know, Canada has been a strong market for its minority share market. I'm going to guess at 30% of our work is in Canada. Uh, you, you know, then let me say 60% in the U.S. We got about 10% global, uh, which is, you know, uh, we're strong in Scandinavia, uh, uh, we got some real marquee projects in the Mideast. And then we're just like, this really smattering of all over though. Fantastic. And, and really, really, you know, and, and, and our project, our projects, uh, we're strong in education. It's a bread and butter thing for us. Uh, daylighted schools, uh, the gym, the cafeteria, the atrium, but classroom daylighting is the Holy grail. Yeah. Uh, so we got that, uh, sports facilities, Toronto Raptors practice facility, uh, is is naturally lighted with our product uh museums we got we got a lot of real showpiece stuff universities are very very strong for us and we're just actually just a ton of interest because there's there's something happening you know we'll, we'll get to talk about you know ASHRAE 90.1 building codes mm-hmm. uh energy efficiency and we're getting pulled into all kinds of areas right now on the energy thing and and desire for natural light but but hugely just trying to meet that building code and insulation and glass so we're getting pulled into the industrial sector, uh, you know, in, uh, in in some very interesting ways. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I could go on about our different project sectors, but it's... Uh... Yeah,
0: that 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 education piece uh, uh, rang a bell for me because, you know, you always used to see the um, lower pane frosted glass on, <laughs> uh, on the schools, right? Because you don't want the kids staring out the windows yeah. while they're... <laughs> They're supposed to be
1: listening to the teacher. They still make kids the same way today as they made them then. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nothing, nothing has changed. And yep. uh and and, and and there's a perfect uh, there's a perfect application for it. That's great. Uh who wants to describe the Solera Wall product? Uh uh give me some, some details, some specs, what what would uh, uh let's let's do it like what would an architect want to know about this thing.
1: Doug, you want to run with that one?
2: On, on Solera, Wall, okay, the, uh, let me f- frame it up. So okay, we we have uh, a, a two parts to it, and I'll let Jim speak to one part. One is Solera. Mm-hmm. So Solera is, uh, they're insulated glass units. Uh, we call them TGUs, translucent glass units. Yep. But they're completely analogous to an insulated glass unit. Two pieces of glass, spacer, sealant. Uh, they go into curtain wall, they go into window system, they go into storefront. Bunch of different configurations and they're thicker than normal and uh, and and a bunch of ways to adapt into framing, but they're installed totally by ordinary glazers. Uh, architects who design, design just like you design a conventional building, spec in our glass in the openings where it's relevant. And, and we help people with that whole process, figuring that out. Uh, we configure the glass for the project at the right amount of light in there, right amount of insulation. And uh, it installs pure glass supply chain exactly the same glaziers you got on the product, exactly the same kind of phrase, framing manufacturers. Okay. Let me flip over to something called Solera Wall. So we have another product, it's our, it's our, our newest variant. So it's a system product. And so what that's all about, and, and you know, the target was initially, I wanna call it sort of a lower end, end building. Well, you know, we're in downtown building, we're in schools with bread and butter stuff, but with Solera. But also, there's a lot of higher-end architecture, and uh, and 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 you know, it's more about the design than the price of it because it's it's well within normal price paradigms. But uh, uh, a lot of higher-end architecture. So we looked at, we said, there's a whole category of buildings like the one I'm sitting in, uh, which is a it, it, it's you know it's a tech company head office that I happen to be sitting in today, and they wanted natural lighting. Okay, and it's a it's a very conventional type steel building that's dressed up to be a very elegant looking building. Building you walk in, and you go, wow. And when you say wow in a building, you know what? It's the glass. Mm-hmm. So many times it makes people say wow on it. But this building was the intention was to build in a budget, so we developed SolarWall for that sort of application. What Wall is is glass in a panel system that uh, installs directly over primary structure. Without framing, yep. and it's tongue and groove panels. Anybody that knows insulated metal panels, uh, how they go on direct over structure, this is tongue and groove system. In fact, incredibly compatible with insulated metal panels, and it allows you to put on uh, glass and it's both vision and translucent in it, and to be able to put it on as a system. Really, really, really fast build, way less field labor, and to be able to get glass on buildings and an overall system cost. Contractor, you know the the the, the those installing the glass. Can earn a good margin, uh, help you get down below that budget squeeze that's on every building, and yet have it elegant, have it the beauty of glass, the liveliness, and all the excitement of glass. That's what Slare Wall is. Okay,
0: okay. So we've got Solera Insulating Glass, and we've got Solera Wall Panel Panel System Product. Got it. That right. was yeah. That was that was my confusion there. I was only thinking Solera,
1: but both products have the same capability in terms of light engineering. Okay. Do engineered light to maximize harvesting of daylight to the interior spaces. And oh, okay. It's a, pretty, it's a really big point in today's environment where we're competing for wall space with glass and other things. Mm-hmm. Where you're maximizing the illumination potential of the surface area of glass that you can get on a building, and using the aerogel and the solar wall method of construction allows you to actually maximize surface area of glass in a way that solves the code dilemma. Of this window-to-wall ratio compromise, right? So it's, a, it's a really big win on several different several different circuits for solving this conundrum of sustainability and carbon reduction.
0: One question that came to mind when I was hearing Doug talk about Solera is: um, uh, Do you still have to get into all your various glass options, uh, uh, coatings, uh, low E, uh, all of that kind of thing, or is that kind of mooted by the by having the aerogel fill in there? Um, um, how, how, how does that play into it? I, whoever wants to get that one.
1: Well, the, uh, the, the number one, the low E is moot point. It doesn't yep. provide any functionality in these materials cause low E's function is to try to overcome the downside of a lot of visible light transmittance which is a high solar heat gain coefficient. Right. So we're always gonna be delivering a better solar heat gain coefficient per illumination level than you will get out of clear vision glass. So that goes out the door but everything else is in play coatings frits, um all of those other kinds of exotics that you might put on use color. The, color yeah, and let, yeah, me, yeah color. Let, let, let
2: me uh, yeah let me add in that so uh, the insulation side of it we didn't really articulate this right up front and say so we'll make the claim and I think it stands up best insulating glass uh, in the world, world. Uh, R18 and R25. Are the wow. upper end of the ranges we got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's the solution. That's how a system, you know, you want to build an all glass facade. Uh, yeah. You can build it within within all the new energy codes. Like it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so that's beautiful. That's solved. That's the center of glass. That's the core and center of glass that solves that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the choice of glass, as I say, we're, we're not requiring uh, and not hemmed in by that need to put coatings on to address insulation. So that leaves you this freedom. So now your glass, you pick your glass. Yeah, if you have an aesthetic, you can put a tint on it for an aesthetic. Uh, Jim talks about fritting. Uh, Fritting on it, we have some really cool projects. A wild builder, the the Wilder building in downtown Montreal, high rise. uh, And the architect designed it with a frit pattern that's that's vines growing up. So individual artistic frit on it with vine pattern that all interlock, like each pattern is printed, each unit's printed individually. So you look at it and go, my God, there's a vine growing up the building in this high rise down in uh, Place des Arts in uh, in Montreal. So it gives you that that freedom to do what you want, and what it looks like. Uh, Most of our usage is uh, translucent and a lot of clear glass used with it. And it gives you a sort of Scandinavian minimalist, goes really well with a clear anodized framing uh and 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 you know mat- meshes with vision glass very very nicely and then we got all kinds of people and it's a minority what we do step off into the aesthetics and and by choosing their glass uh the other thing we do choosing glass of course you can uh the wonders of glass i mean glass is such a versatile material uh we do dade county projects great we we have designs that we can do uh you know use the right lammy inside it uh you know, we okay. get the overhead by using Lamy, uh tempered were required. So choice of glass, everything else you know in the industry stands in it. What I'm really interested in is um well, you
0: mentioned you mentioned uh, uh R eighteen, R25, uh center of glass uh is possible. What what would that translate to in terms of a U value?
1: Oh, that would be uh the, the best is a U. U.04.
0: Right. Wow. 04. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so half of half of what they're calling for. Uh, in the in the in the 2030 codes uh so that's 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 uh very very low that would compare how jim with uh insulate with uh vacuum insulated
1: glass uh it's gonna be on a similar part with vacuum insulated glass but it's gonna be at a fraction of the cost. Yeah right right exactly and, and the other,
2: and and when you compare that the other thing there's a little bit of apples and oranges on it too right and, and one of the things in our experience for you know, over the years and, and people, you know, now there's this push to use it just based on energy. And and the main reason people use it before was to get the light right in buildings. Mm-hmm. And, and what we've learned very, very well through thousands of projects is that when you use too much glass in a building, you get glare problems and you get overheating problems. Right. Along comes blinds and commercial blinds. Good blinds are very expensive. And and all the view that you thought you had and all the daylight gets blocked, and you, what you end up with is a very thermally leaky, incredibly expensive wall. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you use and our stuff, it's you know there's more in performance characteristics. We've got that R value, and it's superlative in R value, but it's also superlative in its ability to take light and uh, of any angle of incidence on the outside of it and bring it in with consistent direction. And what it does really, really well is it takes you know direct beam sunlight and it spreads it out over a wide an angle range as you can. So it minimizes, if you look at that surface, it minimizes the glare on that surface. It projects soft, gentle, natural light throughout the space. And then, but you need view in most buildings too. Like, you know, we get, we get buildings like factories where, where you, don't, you don't put view, but most of what we do has view. But as I said, if you put too much view in, the blinds go down and you don't have any view. But if you put the right amount of view in and you balance it with Solera, then what happens this backlighting. The, the problem with vision glass, if you can see through it, glare sunlight comes through. That's the physics. You're stuck with that. But that glare sunlight's a problem if it comes into a dark environment. But when you've backlighted that environment with a soft, gentle, spread out light, the glare, is it, it's a ratio. It's the ratio between the dark spots in your field of vision and the bright spots. So what it allows you to do is it tempers that glare problem. hugely. you always have glare, but you get it below where it's a problem. So you can get all kinds of vision uh, and and you can, you can frame up all the beautiful views, architecture that you want, use your vision glass. And then when you backfill the light, you you can run. I, I mean, I'm sitting in an office here. The one I have, I got translucent up above, I got vision glass below, and I don't have blinds and I don't need blinds. So yeah. it, it, it's beautiful and that understanding and you go, this blessing, the world is taking this stuff up by storm right now because of energy code and we're getting attention for it. But then people are going, oh, wow, I can actually make a way better building. I can deal with privacy and glare and, and get natural lighting benefits that don't just happen when you put vision glass in there. So this is just great for the world of glass in that sense.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that in your, in your uh, project photos, you, you, you get a beautiful diffuse light, Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's very soft, and, and just to your point there, it makes me think of, uh, I I sold machine tools for 10 years in a prior, prior life, life. and, and, you know, you're in the factories, and, you know, either it's completely dark and dank, because there's no windows, uh, or you have the bank of windows along the, along the top, which seems great, but, but the, when the light when the sun comes through that you're getting blown away all the time if your eye happens to go in that direction because of the contrast between the dark that you're in and the night and and how nice would it be to have you know something that's just diffusing and making a softer more spread out light there that's 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 going in more directions than just straight into your eyeball
2: you you Uh, hit something that's very dear to my heart and in fact but right here and spun my camera around for you too without making you dizzy there's a building just over there which is part of the complex in where we do uh, our, our manufacturing and uh, and it is solar wall it's insulated metal panel solar wall building and it has uh see so it's got three rows three feet so it's got nine feet of glass rings around it very very slick sophisticated looking building and when you go inside there it's completely naturally lighted it is beautiful it is bright it is crisp and uh, I love those industrial applications. And, you know, the the, the people that work there, the, the, your visual acuity, you feel better. Your circadian rhythm tunes in. The, the light changes through the day, modulates. Uh, it's brighter. Our eyes work better under natural light. The people can see the work they're doing. Visual inspections better. Manual dexterity gets better from it. And And just overall, people are so much happier being... In that versus the other two options you put, so that one's really dear to my heart, you know. So. What what kind of so so what kind of visual
0: light transmittance are we talking about here? Uh, uh, describe uh, well what what are the numbers on that? Maybe I don't know if Jim wants to take that one, um, and uh, and 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 what what kind of what kind of color changes do we get if any?
1: Okay, so I can I can take that. Um, we have the possibility of anywhere from spandrel zero up to a maximum of about 62%. But we look at light differently than than you do through normal clear glass because we will install very little product at 62% light transmission. Um, Because when you're dealing with materials that scatter light like we do, luminance issues come into play and you have to balance the type of light to make the illumination correct. But that's part of what makes what Doug was describing I think was a perfect way of describing how this is good for the glass industry. And from an illumination standpoint, it allows you to actually use room brightening by using this diffuse cloud of light to increase uh, ambient lighting in the space to drop contrast potential, preserve views, and because they're energy efficient, competing for wall space and keeping more glass on the buildings doing a better illumination job creating better buildings and actually honestly stealing money from room darkening um, pools of money for window blinds, using those to keep the glass on the building and make better spaces. Uh, Eliminating blinds is a huge, huge benefit for the human on the inside.
2: And and there's a role in, and of course the relationship between visual light transmittance and solar gain. uh, It's a really further to what Jim says. And uh, you know, so what we do, Is we help our clients. We generally get involved in design time and projects and what we do with architecture, building owners, uh, we get involved at that level and we will do daylight simulation with them to make sure that we figure out how to get a really, really great lighting pattern and that they meet their views with vision glass and that they, 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 they get a really, really great lighting pattern. So when you do that, We design, and what we'll do is we'll design, you know, lighting ballpark in an office or something, you want 500 lux of of, of light level. And what we do when the light is free, number one, when sunlight, that daytime light is free, and it's actually nicer when it's at a thousand or Mm 1500, and and so you get in these very bright spaces, people are very alert, your minds work well, they're nicer to be in when you're this, this nice bright, as long as it's not glare, it's really, really nice. But then as so you look at it, see, we can configure that product and we do it for the project, not only for the project, but we'll do a different transmittance on the north side than we do on the south side than we do in the west, the west, the big west side problem. So we tune that all in by simulation. Mm-hmm. Then we configure the project to get the light right transmittance. And then at the end of the day, if you do a thousand lux, a thousand lux of sunlight has about the same amount of the solar gain in that is about the same as the heat energy that, that you'd have if you had artificial lighting. So it's the same HVAC load, hmm. except it's free coming in. So that's why you choose that. Yeah, you, you know, you go in glass, oh, lots of glass, I got to beef up the air conditioning. No, when you go through these design methods and use our, our configurable product, you end up with an optimum building envelope and you can choose maximum insulation value, go way up into those high insulation value ranges. And then you get an optimum light transmit. So your insulation value, there's no insulation penalty over using a wall. And now you keep the lights off. So you're saving that energy and you haven't put any extra load on the HVAC system. And and if you've dropped down your use of vision glass and trade off Solera, the glass industry hasn't lost any glass. In fact, we can gain glass versus that and gain gain framing and installation. And and, uh, yet our whole energy picture, every part of the energy picture has improved on that. And the interior quality of the space it's obviously improved over a dark box over a Walmart or something like that, but it's also improved over an all glass building, which we're struggling from the glare in.
0: So key. Cause I, I, I don't know how many conferences I've sat in now over the last few years with, with, with the, the, the tightening and the tightening of the, of the energy ratings and, and wanting the, the panels more and more insulating. And every manufacturer that I talk to turns around after those, presentations and goes yeah but what about the heat gain you know I, I I've made this I've made this thing so 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 there's there, there, there's no heat getting getting out or getting in but 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 I mean the, the the sun is still beaming through this and and um and 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 the you know the answer always is you have to configure it and understand what you're doing as far as your orientation and you know, you you you've got it. You've got to have the building design properly, it and have and have the right windows in the right place. So it sounds like you've got that capability. I assume by what changing the formulation of the actual fill.
2: Yeah, we we have a number of tricks that we do when we manufacture it. Uh, there there are, are light diffusing, non woven uh, glass fiber elements in it that work along with the aerogel. And there's also a honeycomb structure that, that stabilizes the aerogel by playing around with that. And by playing around, with, and you play around with the glass, of course, if you use a tin of glass, it'll affect that. But uh, let me throw one more thing in here for you, Pat, that's an interesting thing. As you try to configure that, and you can do that to some extent with vision glass, but if you try to do this in an all glass facade and you uh, with that evil West face afternoon overheating, right? Yeah. And, and you try to darken it down, you get this problem that's referred to as permanent November, and uh, right. And, and when you're sitting inside a building with darkly tinted glass, you look outside. The world looks gloomy out there. And 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 we don't necessarily think about it when you're in one of those buildings and you walk outside. Wow, it's like actually a bright day out here, Air yeah. conditioned, dark. You feel like you're in winter. You now, get that you gray. That... It's, it's almost a gray, uh, a gray yeah. light that you get out of it. Yeah, exactly. So you fix that if you do that tuning. You know, again, our our formula that we promote for design, put your vision where you want vision, realize Mm -hmm. you got to limit it. If not, you got a glare problem. And so, and, and optimize that vision glass, use a glass that the view is going to be good, that you see the right stuff, but also that you don't turn it into November, uh, you know, winter solstice all year round. Right. So you get that. And then people sense what the outdoors is in the season. You're tuned into the season. You're tuned into the world. And then the rest of it: get your light, fix your glare problem, and 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 maintain your insulation. You're, you're the equivalent to your seventy percent or thirty percent window wall ratio, uh, just by using an all glass system. When you do this, you got insulation nailed, and you get your light nailed, and it's 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 truly optimum. And it's often by the numbers, it's often by the science, it's often by the math. But when you walk into these buildings, people go, "Wow, this is just." This just feel like, what's so nice about this building? And you go, well, you know, you know I put the glass up and then gain some gains, right? And you go into all that, but it just makes a building that feels great, looks great. And, you know, with the right design, it's about the architecture, right? Yeah. It's about picking the right balance of system. The rest of your glass system has to be put in right. You need, we need framing that works with that meets the insulation paradigms and looks good and everything else. But you can create some just stunning buildings. We have projects that people just, you know, you don't have to know it's a day building. And uh, you know the other thing, green. Uh, you know we have a car dealership, uh, uh, a, a a car company that's do- done a whole series of dealerships, and, uh, and and this translucence is the basis for it, and that design. And you walk in there, and people go, "Wow, this is just like this is really really nice. It just feels nice in here, and it does its stuff. It it, it its stuff. It you know it sells cars, which is what they're there to do, but it also you gonna say it's a green building, you can have whatever you want locked up, heat pumping equipment in the basement and air handling and whatever else. And it doesn't feel green necessarily. But when you walk in a daylighted building, it's like you might as well put up a billboard that says we are green, this is green, good for the humans, good for the environment. And you feel it. You don't have to tell people that it just feels like that. Speak oh. speaking of colors, how much control do you have over
0: the uh over the color? Of the light coming through, Uh, is there is there always some tint to it, Uh, or is it is it it, it's or is it just like clear
1: clear but diffused? Jim, clear clear but diffused. Okay, Uh, most of most all of what we install is going to have a color rendering index of of north of ninety six. Okay, so it's near perfect, absolutely perfect lighting.
2: And and, and you can put low iron on there and tweak it up even a little higher if you want. Yeah, but but you won't notice it. It's so good anyway. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Um
0: structurally, uh I, I I was telling you guys about my intensive research on uh, Wikipedia in aerogel. <laughs> and there was but there was some mention there that obviously it's stiffer than uh, than gas. Um so um uh is there is there some structural benefit to the to the fill?
1: No. No, no, yeah. no structural benefit to the aer- aerogel at all. Oh. The aerogel form that we use, it's a granular aerogel. It's dry granulars, and they're from a size of about one millimeter to three and a half millimeters. And there's a blend of those. Um, and it's used, it's used in an infill inside of the honeycomb that Doug was talking about. We make the honeycomb. Uh, it was originally intended to stop convection in the thicker units mm-hmm. uh, that we made which it does do that very effectively but it also makes perfect housing for this granular aerogel because of the interior flutes in the honeycomb provide the perfect environment to take this granular material and compact it in these uh encase it in there with a glass veil on both sides and it's basically a rigid board of aerogel and, and honeycomb and okay
0: it- cuz i was picturing i was picturing the um you know like the foam uh that that, that, mm-hmm. that you see and 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 i thought oh they've just you know it's it's basically full of foam no. um, but uh no you you have a, okay so you have a honeycomb uh yeah matrix in there that's right. that's, that's holding that's holding in the aerogel grains right and, uh, yeah okay okay that yeah. makes that makes sense uh, what what are your what are, what are your dimensional capabilities there uh, Jim uh, uh uh can you go uh, uh, uh as big as you want can you get different widths do you have to play with different cavity sizes for different applications
1: That's a loaded question you're asking a lot of questions there Sorry
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just so take, take them all <laughs> Doug do you want Doug I can see you winding well, uh, up there I'm just
2: laughing at it cuz you know we'll, we'll all kind of say different things so here's the reality we standard size minimum glass unit you'd ever make up to uh five foot by 12 foot's our standard inside yeah. and we got we left that the architectural world you know it's always bigger always bigger always bigger and then we go to want bigger and we look at the project we love it we said will we do that yeah we could just kind of manipulate stuff in the plan around and build a little bit of stuff and then our production guys go uh you are killing me yeah so five five by 12 uh foot is our, our standard max dump. okay off okay the shelf.
1: And the the Solera wall is different. It's a structural system and it it does have maximum capabilities based on wind load and the other criteria that come along with that. But a general rule of thumb with that is it's in a horizontal stack. It's going to be a three foot tall unit by up to eight and a half to 10 feet in length or any custom variant in within that too. everything that we make is bespoke. So it's not one size fits all. You're not taking a plug and play of a single piece of glass. So everything we make is by by order. Any, any problems with odd shapes? No. Uh, Complication? Uh,
2: production guys love odd shapes. You wouldn't yeah. believe how they
1: love odd shapes. Oh yeah. I'm not talking about the production guys. I'm talking about the <laughs> business guys. <laughs> the, the, in the Solero well product, there are some limitations to, uh, to bias cuts on that. That's engineering that's still yet to be done. With Solera, which we've been doing for twenty plus years, literally no limitations, with the exception of some arch configurations and too tight of a radius. But most any any bevel cuts and all the normal normal types of things, we we do anything that you can do in normal clear glasses. Okay, Solera is always quarter inch gap. No, Solera. <laughs> no, we've got again, we've got Solera that insulates from. A low end of an r three to a high end of an r twenty five yeah, and various different thicknesses in between that, so oh, I see it, so the thickness th- changed depending thickness changes, but we also have uh methods by the construct that allow us to manipulate the uh the thicker units to install inside of a standard curtain wall with an offset spacer that actually cap that actually gets captured in the normal rabbit connection, and it's used mm-hmm. always in combination with clear vision glass we're using really thick units in the same installation with clear vision glass side by side to get the benefit of the view and the illumination and also to manipulate the overall system U-Value. Jim's
2: looking behind Jim there in his background in our video conference. Yeah, Yeah, that that behind me is a combination.
1: That's a combination of clear R3, uh, normal IGU, in a curtain wall with our R18 Solera panel used in that same curtain wall. Um, it's a good example of, of how these two materials work together to solve this window to wall problem that's going on. Yeah, Because in this particular project, it's interesting because this was designed all first off with an all clear glass facade. Um, wouldn't meet the lead requirements that they had to be from a thermal standpoint. And also it wouldn't meet the owner's daylighting requirements because they would have had to put meco shades on that entire curtain wall and the owner wanted daylight. So we engaged with the architect and the thought was we, we can't go to all glass on this, but we want to preserve the lighting and the, and the views, but we have to meet the energy code too. So the first thing was we have to strategically designate that we're going to target our views where we need views um so we have to that's what doug was saying earlier you've got to think about using views where you need them everywhere else represents the possibility of improved thermal value and or improve actual um, daylighting percentage Um, if you took what we did with translucent here and used high performance spandrel in that to get your energy performance where you needed it to get to you eliminated the daylighting benefits that were needed and you increased the contrast percentage next to the vision glass to where you were gonna still have to put mecho shades on the vision glass. But using the two together allowed them to meet the energy performance, keep the daylighting benefit. And a good thing too, and it's a good thing for the glass industry, is that allowed us to do an all glass facade at about a half a million dollars less money for the owner than he would have had he just put up a glass facade with mecho shades on it. So it's a really nice blending of performance both from a thermal standpoint, daylighting standpoint, and first cost standpoint. And Jim, you're
2: being very pragmatic. And then, uh, and, and then you know, there's other considerations like what it looks like in the neighborhood and uh, the nighttime yeah. look, the daytime look, and if you had spandrel over that or wall, uh, it, it makes it a very dull neighborhood. And when yeah. you come by the building, that's uh, Barry Ontario. You're looking at behind you there uh and uh, that building is beautiful the lights are on at night it's stunning and, it, and there's this subtle aesthetic difference when you have translucent in your curtain wall the curtain wall glows and if not vision glass is transparent you don't see it it's essentially invisible at night what you see is the interior of the building and the combination the interplay of the two of them can really really create some beautiful aesthetics and mm-hmm. like new and, and exciting and i say rescuousness you know uh, you know ASHRAE 90.1 i'm all for the building codes i'm all for energy codes but uh, it, it can end up maybe a little soviet style in the architecture when you get back to that 70 you know 30 70 uh and uh, this lets us stay in the in, in the modern world and in you know in the 2020s right yeah, yeah we've
0: we've certainly had our we certainly had our battles over the window wall ratios and uh, and that's that's why i uh, i i i like to i, I like to have as many Alternative material conversations on the table as possible, because uh, sure. that's 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 how we're that's how we're going to that's how we're going to slither slither around in between uh, all of this stuff. The other thing I was thinking about, Jim, when you were talking was uh, the retrofit uh, uh, possibilities must be uh, must be pretty good uh, mm-hmm. because you've got a um, you've got a you know, you, you'll have your old building there with uh, uh, monolithic clear, clear all over the place. Uh, you, you've You've got to do something about your energy performance. Um, is that is that doable? Is that a, is that a, sure. is that a good application for uh, for Solera and Solera? Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, we
1: do quite a lot of retrofit work, and, and that's yeah. that, that's under attack as well. So, in a normal um, normal system, if they if they can accept a one inch system or right. one inch glass unit in it, our 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 best thermal performance in a one inch system is an R five which is substantially higher than anything they would be retrofitting out of the unit. And it's also better than anything that they could commercially buy uh, and put into that opening. So it's a net boost to yeah. it.
2: Let so. me throw in one other thing in retrofit and we're actually got a thriving little sideline in this. There's an awful lot of buildings that have been built putting you know polyester translucent panels in you know, yes. the hotel category, right? And, and they're short lifetime plastic. Yeah. And, and, and the short lifetime. Right. And then th- this whole single use plastic thing, you know, with color change and having a retrofit every, you know, you get to two decades and, and it's gotta go. Uh, and we are, you know, I mean, we're functionally compatible, we're thickness compatible with that, but all of a sudden it goes over the glass industry. Uh, and if you want visual, sometimes, I mean, that whole world got developed, you know, New England factory ret- building, old textile mill retrofits is where that, you know, that crisscross pattern came about. Well, we can do that in, with Frit. And then all of a sudden you get something, but but it's elegant. It's got a gloss. It's got the, the texture, the organic texture underneath from the, the non-woven fiberglass. It's got all the function of it. Yeah, and, and now all of a sudden you just retrofit it with something that's that you know it's in for twenty years. You know, I, I think our oldest project actually is very close to me here. Uh, we went in '99, I believe, mm-hmm. and in that university they have some polyester panel stuff that went in just a couple of years before that. That's they're ripping the roof, off, you know, the translucent roof, plastic roof off that, retrofitting it. Our stuff. You know, we had a conversation with them and we we, went, we said, uh, you know what, here's your other stuff down the other end that went in two years later. Looks exactly like the day it went in. It's glass. Oh, yeah. The interior yeah. are all long lived, mostly glass in the interior. Uh, aerogel is, is silica, so it's close cousin. These are all long lived materials. There's a little bit of acrylic in there, which is also long lived. Uh, it'll long live outdoors in UV, but in behind glass, it's just very, very long lifetime. Don't change color. So that's a nice little thriving retrofit business. We got some people that do that kind of stuff and it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. That it's would spot. look a
0: hell of a lot better going from those 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 yellowing plastic panels that you see to uh, <laughs> to your stuff. That 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 would be a step in the right direction for sure. Uh, uh uh other other commercial applications. What 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 are your what are your favorite um what are your what are your favorite applications for uh, for your stuff in uh I I guess on the uh, on the commercial high-rise side uh, or industrial
1: side, Jim, you, wanna, you want to? Have go have such ahead? a broad we have such a broad swath of different types of projects that we that we are used on. Yeah. Um, things that are ongoing right now that are interesting. Um, we have a a major city hall and and uh, government center in uh, in uh, vaudreuil Dorian, in uh, in Montreal area. That's a large net zero. Uh, facility that has a tremendous amount of our Solera wall product on it that's going on a mass timber framing system. And then the balance of the facade that is not our uh, Solera wall, there's a minor amount of curtain wall on it, and then the rest of it is all IMP uh, material. It's a beautiful structure. It's also using what Doug was talking about earlier in this external frit that we're able to put on it. And this has this very random pattern of I think it's like gla- like grass that they would see waving in the wind that's moving along the uh, surface of it. It's beautiful. Uh, so that's kind of on one end of the spectrum. On the other end is a is, uh, very simple use of these light redirecting blazing materials in, in metal panel, pre-engineered metal panel buildings. Hmm. Uh, it's a real interesting home there for what it can do on the same given square feet of glass on a building, the amount of interior illumination is completely off the charts in terms of the differential there. So it's everything from that to that. And we do do them all as Doug said earlier, education is kind of a stronghold for us. Yeah. But the, perimeter is, the perimeter is growing for us quite a lot and having this ability to manage daylight, manage insulation value, and be friendly with normal construction and or passive or net zero construction. We've we've kind of got a solution for all of that, and mm-hmm. it's it's all glass and it's all permanent.
2: Hospitals,
1: hospitals, healthcare. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hospital
2: project going up near me with a whole bunch of slur in it. Right? Yeah, because yep.
0: they're light. The the light requirements there I know are are big. Right. That's, that's sports facilities.
2: Yeah. Sports, yeah, right. Yeah, sports you get to learn large and small sports facilities uh we have pro level stuff we've got a lot of community level stuff gymnasiums uh swimming yeah. pools uh yeah. rinks hockey rinks hockey rinks hockey rinks yeah. um yeah. And, and uh yeah, and and, so, yeah really sports and and in general large space those large uh, uh you know factories you know i kind of look at it they're, they're these two things from a functional from a daily point of view we go to small space and 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 low ceiling spaces which are really really challenging and then you get into large spaces like rinks which are dead easy my god large spaces factories rinks they're yeah. so easy to just turn from ordinary into spectacular so.
0: yeah fill fill it up with light instead of having to have massive lights right like it, right. like you don't have to you don't have to, to go crazy on the lighting okay but here's here's the thing that i want you guys to be doing is 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 when it comes to luxury custom homes, right, single family homes, cottages, that kind of thing, right, money is absolutely no object for uh, a lot of these people. Um, my cousin has toured me around uh, the Muskoka's here and 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 seen that the twenty million dollar places and all this stuff. Um, um, there has got to be uh, some great residential applications uh, uh, for this stuff. Um, because, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of times those, a lot of times those builders are very conscious on the environmental side that, that, that can be one of their, their, their primary things. So they, so they, they, they want the, the great energy performance and then you can do all kinds of great things with the light on your, you know, boathouse. That's the size of my house. Uh, and your um, and 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 your solarium and your skylights and and, and all of that kind of stuff, right? How, how much of that have you guys gotten into?
2: So, yeah, let me take the whole residential thing. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about that high end that, that individual dwelling thing in a second. One of the places where we have several projects, uh, I'm thinking one ten Chelsea in New York City, uh, Highline District high rise, mm-hmm. uh, small apartments, rental apartments. Uh, did a number of years ago. Uh, the usage on that in small apartments, you know, very expensive apartments, and you know, many thousands of dollars a month. Uh, you know, hottest neighborhood in New York. Uh, so they they got a little bit of a challenge because when you go into a small space and it's got to feel really good. Yep. It, it dark feels small. Yep. Light feels big. So they use solar, And the problem is you go in there and, it's, you know, New York City, so the blinds are going to be down in your vision glass for privacy. So they did a really cool usage to put solar in there to make sure you got natural light when natural light is available. And the impact on it, it makes that very expensive space, which you're paying a lot of rent for, feel way, way up cleaner, brighter, bigger. And so that's been really cool. And that one's just driven... Yeah, that was before, you know, I was going to say a decade ago or something like that. It's before the big pressure on, on building code in our value. It wasn't an our value driven project. It was driven by, let's move the rents up. We're New York City developers. We'd like to make more money. Yeah. So let's make nicer space. Natural light makes nicer space. So let's put that in one end. And I mean, that could be taken in all kinds of places. We, we just don't really sell and push into it. Uh, we have a smattering of, you know, probably in the, you know, low double digits of houses we've done over the years that are architects who we have dealt with on the commercial side who say, yeah, hey, I got a housing project. And again, cause we just don't market whatsoever to residential architects. So, and, and there's some pretty cool ones, but let me mention one. And again, you said the, uh, you know, completely rich and famous people. And and I'm not in that, but I'm building a cottage Yeah. and, and, uh, I have an architect uh, Brian McKay Lyons uh, out of Halifax Nova Scotia who's a pretty cool architect he's a residential and we had never really worked with him before uh and uh I, anyway he, he we' uh, getting him uh, at this cottage I'm sitting in Nova Scotia We've got the Bredora Lakes this stunningly beautiful saltwater lakes piece of a sailor I got a piece of land in this little cove there and I said time to build a cottage and uh anyway uh, we do this commercial uh, you know stuff and we build buildings like the one jim is virtually sitting in there behind you and i've really fallen in love with them and a uh, certain style of architecture so we're building a place and it's it, it it's not huge uh it, it'd be 2500 square feet or something like that but it's going to be one of the more interesting buildings on the lake if not on the east coast uh and it's commercial architecture mixed with stuff like uh you know it's going to be a blend it's going to be you know heavy steel framing solar hmm. wall uh and and daylighted you know vision glass up to about seven feet for these incredible views and then two-story with the you know an, an atrium it's built into the hillside yeah and uh but it it's on the east end it looks west and a beautiful lake view and our southwest breeze comes there to cool the place uh and in the east it's got this high end that pops up above the slope of the hill that'll catch east light in the morning so your place will glow from east light in the morning comes around the south end will have lots of light coming in then you come in that afternoon and we got the, the you know proper solar control so that that west where the view is and we got all that translucent up there and it'll control the light in it so there we are uh, boasting about my project that i'm incredibly excited <laughs> about and, uh, and actually I'll, show, I'll show you some hey. renderings. stuff <laughs> yeah, no that it, that that's what I'm talking about, right?
0: Like I like I, it just it just seems to me like there's there's options there for 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 architects on
1: a, on a, on to build. Actually interestingly anecdotally Doug you don't even know about this today but an order hit the uh hit the books today for a residential project in uh in North Dakota that we've been working on for quite a while. Uh it's a 40,000 square foot private residence interior basketball court, interior gymnasium, all kinds of things and it. has got quite a lot of Solera on it in uh pultruded fiberglass framing systems from uh, uh, Marvin Windows. And that oh. was with, again, a high-end residential architect working on that. So it happens and it happens more often than not when you've got active spaces in a house, it's a great application for us. Um, and a lot of the work that we've done in Scandinavia um, has been residential-related applications. And uh, uh, lighting is so critical to people in Scandinavia because they get so little of it uh, right. part of the year. They, they 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 clamor for it for every every bit of uh, a foot candle of natural light that they can get.
2: So when you think you think about those spaces, residential spaces, we all think of house, we go sunroom, and we go, oh, how beautiful, I actually have a very nice sunroom in my yeah. very conventional you know, two story city house. And we spend a lot of time sitting in there, but when you build all glass spaces, especially if it starts to get a glass roof on it, the sun goes down on a cold evening. Yep. That lack of our value makes it uncomfortable. And when the sun comes up in the day, the solar gain makes it uncomfortable. Use Solero, right on that interplay your views. You get this space that just, there's this like the entrance is like, you have to experience it to really fully get it. I, I can rant about it, wave my hands and everything else. But when you walk in there, it's got this incredibly special feel to it. It feels like you're outdoors, but it's but it's comfortable, and, and it's just got all this. You get the right amount of everything. You know, we go indoors to get out of the sun, right, and to get out of the cold. And then if you don't have proper insulation value and proper light diffusion, or you know, protection from glare the space just doesn't work. And so that's what's happening in these, these houses is some architects get it. They talk to a client and then they build a space and they go, Oh, wow, this is just amazing to be in. Hmm.
0: I, I think that, uh, I I think that that is, uh, is something that uh, I I want everyone, I want everyone out there to think about a little bit because uh, there's a, uh, there's something, Oh, one question that came to mind was um, how, how fast can you make this stuff? Um uh like like if you if you got some big mass production order, can you do that? Or like like how 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 fast can you what, what sort of capacity have you guys got for uh production speed?
1: Uh, we, we, got, we got plenty of capacity. We yeah, got plenty of capacity. We're we're much less than 60 percent utilized in terms of manufacturing capacity that we've okay. got right now. So and and we have a,
2: Ske- sketch on the books for the, the next so expansion. The next yeah, we're well, I, we're, we're scalable. You know, we build our own technology inside. We build our own machinery for the, you know, these very special processes. Oh. we got a whole team that does that. And uh, so, yeah, you come to our plant goes, and some of the glass and says, yeah, I can get the roots of that, but what, what on earth are you doing when they look at our, our machinery and where'd you buy that stuff? And I go, well there's the machine shop and development shop over there with CNC mills and lathes and, and, and a team of people and our 3D designers and our electronics controls people, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, which puts, uh, you know, it, it's that scalability has been in, in, you know, very much in mind and baked into it from the start of Let's it. Well, if, somebody
0: wants to, if somebody wants to come to you with an order for a subdivision, they shouldn't hesitate. No, not, yeah.
1: at, all. not, <laughs> no. not at all. We'd be sure. happy to entertain them. We are, um, we are, um In normal bespoke commercial work right now from order date to shipment date is typically six to eight weeks right now. So, And our our
2: biggest projects that we do are in the, you know, they're they're under the $5 million mark, Mm -hmm. you know, for single single orders of glass. And we push that, we'll push that out in phases, something of that size. But most of what we do, I'd say, you know, our average project size would range from, you know... $10,000 $10,000 up to half a million dollars is most of the yeah, the, the, know, the, the size of glass orders that we do. And, yeah, and we a, move that great. range out, you yeah. know, very, very straightforward and move, move that out.
1: That's a good that range.
2: Gives, cool. That gives us a good sense. Okay. All the way
0: back to the sciencey stuff I probably should have started with, but I know how my listeners think and they want to hear the practical stuff first, and then we can get into the more conceptual stuff later. Jim, what is aerogel? What is it made of?
1: Aerogel is a nanoporous form of silica. Okay. Silica is what glass is made of. It's the same raw material, it's just made differently. And uh, aerogel was, aerogel was invented in the thirties. It's not new technology, but it's not been commercially viable until probably the last 16 or 17 years. And what it was invented for was to try to find ways to insulate, um, to cryogenic temperatures, very thin spaces. And the, the nano nature of the porosity of it is what really sets it apart from other, uh, other insulation materials and in that you've got, uh, pores inside of the aerogel that are on the nature, nature of 20, 10 to 20 nanometers in size which is hard for even techno guys out there in blast to understand how small that is, but that is 85 times smaller than a human hair strand. Um, so it's just super small. And what it does, the, the the reason the nano nature is important is that it actually stops gas phase conduction, which is the weak link of air itself, because air can conduct. Um, and if you can eliminate that conduction, you end up with these very crazy insulation values that it has. So, that's that's in, in a very simple form that's what it is it's, it's yeah, can,
2: I, can i can i add one simplification yep is let, it going to make it
1: complex or more, more no,
2: no 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 uh, <laughs> if somebody wants to think about what aerogel is I, and number one it's, it's silica it's sand So you yeah. think glass is mostly sand so it's it's, it's sio 2 is what it is yeah popcorn right. right and you think i have uh, a kernel of popcorn pop it and you get all that air inside it this is popped sand. Can I do that? That's simple. This is oh, popped Oh, I like sand. that. Never heard yeah. that one,
1: but that's a good one. Popped, popped sand. sand. Nice. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna have that discussion the next time with our air gel supplier when I'm negotiating price. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just call it popped sand. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and and that and the, the the great energy
0: performance comes because uh uh basically uh well I mean it it it's it's not a pure gas so that the, the heat has more trouble getting 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 through it it can't it can't transmit uh, as easily across the molecules. And then also if I'm understanding correctly again from my intensive Wikipedia research uh the uh, the uh, it it stops convection too, right like like that's that's always the big problem in your IG cavity is is is, is that convection around but because this actually has solid you know it's it's basically a bunch of little yeah. bubbles all jammed together that that, right. that the air can't move around in there.
1: Yep, yeah, that's that's the that's the full beauty of it is. It stops convection and stops gas phase conduction right. in right. the same same path. Yeah. And, and that's and, the reason that it insulates as well as it does.
2: And and so radiation those pores there are so small. Yep. Uh in and, and fact, so small like if you think air molecules bouncing around heat yeah. moves because the you know you, you get excited you know really fast air molecules on the hot surface getting banged around by the hot surface and then that energy transfers over to the other side and you got all these little pores so that has to bump into a wall and then some transfers for some transfers back that's that that's on the convection or sorry that's on the on the the thermal conduction side of it and on the uh, on the radiation side uh, thermal radiation has to come out of the hot side. radiate to the cold side which it does in regular glass very effectively put low e in and it's only about a tenth as effective as at radiating so it blocks a lot of it so what happens is inside air gel is it comes out of one wall the air gel is 95 percent empty space right air filled empty space and so it 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 radiates out a part of the air gel inside one wall and then it it goes a very short distance before it gets reabsorbed and then Mm -hmm. it has to Part of it gets radiated back. Part of it goes forward. That part that goes forward bumps in, radiates, and that happens ten gazillion times before it gets to the other side. So it's a long, hard way to get from one side to the other side because it's just bumping into so many walls. Yep.
0: Yep. That is a hundred nanometers, right? That's the size of the bubbles.
1: I, I think uh, I picked no. up factoid. No. No. So Small- nope, the the pore size on the inside is between 10 and 20 nanometers. Oh
0: my god. That was <laughs> it. I think I think that was the old I that that was the old 1931 version was 100 nanometers it's probably <laughs> probably probably yeah. better now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that
1: was that was the model T. This yeah 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 that
0: was the that was the early one. Well yeah there was something about I mean the guy made a gel and then he just basically dried it out so that right. that you know it, all, all the moisture came so out.
2: rumor has it it was a bet. So you take a bowl of jello. It's a gel. It's got a sugar matrix. That's the same thing. It's, it's, right. it's nano sized pores in jello. And imagine if you take that bowl of jello, if, if you take the water out of it, it just a uh, surface tension collapses that, that structure. Right. So what they had to do is they had to pull the solvent without collapsing it. Cause if you take silica gel and, and Alka gel you make it with alcohol. Usually it could be water gel too. And if you just dry it out, you get silica gel. That's a desiccant that you get in your, shoes or you know little packets yes. and things like that and you go so what this guy kistler at caltech rumor has it it was a bet and uh that his friend said in the cafeteria whether well, that's true or not i have no idea uh but it's a great story one way or another and uh and what he figured out is that if if you uh you know material properties we think of a liquid then there's a gas but then when you go to high pressure and with alcohol it's like 200 celsius and 20 atmospheres of pressure you get into something called supercritical fluid which is neither liquid or gas it flows like a gas but it's dense like a liquid and it doesn't have surface tension so if you go supercritical you can pull this stuff out of that matrix and the matrix is left if you did it with sugar the sugar would redissolve but you can do it with an, an alka gel and that's where it started there's another technical thread which is you leave it there for a while. Now you got the ultimate silica desk and it pulls water in, creates surface tension, it will collapse. So mm-hmm. this next patent came along, I don't know, like 20 years ago or something like that, where they found that they put in uh, silane and silanes are things that have silica, like a soap molecule, surfactant. They got like a silica on one end of the molecule and they got whatever you want to put in the other end. Uh, think of like a rain X on a windshield. Yep, Coating it, it makes this molecular monolayer. So they basically mix that into the alcohol gel and it coats the silica with a hydrophobic coating so it doesn't desiccate. And that was a really, really cool leap. And that's what allowed to make aerogel for the first, whatever, 1930 up to, you know, a decade or two ago, you couldn't leave it exposed to atmosphere. Right. And then they, they patented hydrophobic aerogel and everything that's out there now is is a derivative of that along with Kistler's original work. And and one more thing, and I'll bore you with one more thing. Uh, To go to 200 degrees Celsius, the Swedes back in the 90s, or maybe it was late 80s, were working on making aerogel, and their giant autoclaves, 20 atmospheres, heating them up. Uh, In this little pilot plant they had, uh, the O-ring failed, space shuttle style. It was all (laughs) space shuttle style. They blew the plant up. Nobody killed, uh, but they blew the plant up and then after that somebody said you know what do we do how do we get the temperature down so what they did is they found if you take liquid carbon dioxide you can use liquid carbon dioxide to dissolve out the alcohol okay and then liquid co2 all you got to do is go 20 atmospheres at room temperature plus it doesn't explode that's the three pieces that's yeah.
0: aerogel right there wow yeah that's that that's one thing i was thinking was um, uh, the initial designs for it uh uh I know we're very what's the word hydrophilic is that right I mean it would it would suck up, no. yeah it would suck up the water uh big yeah, right. time and I was thinking you know in an IG unit that's going to be an issue uh if you got any condensation or anything uh not that of course you don't want con you know if you've got condensation you've already got an issue but yep. but uh if if you had any of that uh, over time you could see you could see the stuff uh you know breaking down. Uh, from from soaking up too much water, right. so yeah, the the hydrophobic uh, coating must have been a must have been a huge advance, and you know, but make your lives possible, I guess,
1: really. Yeah, and the aerogel that we use is is hyper hydrophobic. Yeah, and,
2: and 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 let me throw in one thing, and it's just a little bit sideways from there. The units we make, when mm-hmm. you try to seal a glass unit that's over a half inch cavity, yeah. you get to have a problem because the expansion contraction temperatures will stress the glass; it'll bulge too much uh we make and have been since 1999 uh 24 years of vented units ah yeah and we have a system of humidity control we've learned how to do venting so that it's pressure relief so this is very low stressed glass in a solar unit and uh the only thing is is you don't have a seal to keep moisture out what's the bad side uh well, bad side is if I had something like a soft coat low e, I don't have to use them, but if I did, that would deteriorate from moisture. If I had hydrophilic aerogel, which nobody uses anyway, that would be a problem. but uh it's not uh, we don't use either of those, but because we vent our units, the nice thing is uh, seal failure uh, I, people say, what happens if you have seal failure I go well, they're pre-seal failed. Well, ha, we've already done the seal failure for you. <laughs> <it> makes them <laughs> <pre-fail>. extremely, extremely <laughs> robust, and, and we've done a lot of work, a lot of a lot of work on the front end of that to design. There's some subtleties in how you have to design it, and if you do it, we actually, you know, the experiments we did, you can take a slurry unit, take a syringe, and we could inject water. You know, go put in you know, I don't know, whatever amount of water you want. And you do that with a humidity sensor inside there, and the humidity sensor goes up, you can kind of see. It's translucent, so you don't really see the, the condensation, but you can see the humidity go up. And then as you temperature cycle it, by the time you temperature cycle it 100 times, spat it all out, self-healing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it just evaporates. Yeah. yeah, yeah. cycles rough. in and out, dry, but breathes in drier air than it breathes out. No,
0: no, no problem, by the way, I'm assuming with uh, uh, temperature, uh, high temperatures on the uh, on the aerogel itself, like, like I'm thinking about some of these, uh, you know, windows can get pretty hot, especially if you've got a black frame, uh, or, uh, or or you have somebody put reflective uh, blinds behind them, which that that was a funny one I saw at a conference recently, they actually melted their vinyl frames. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, Any any differences
1: in performance there? No, not with, yeah. not with not with the silica aerogel. No. Yeah,
2: let okay. let me tell you where the IF is. It, it's stabilized through an acrylic, okay? And the acrylic's good to mm-hmm. you know it's about, about 90 degrees Celsius working temperature. Okay. And we take care when we design the systems and we model we i mean we do all our therm modeling we use therm for part of it we got our own computer models that we use and we look at the glass we have the challenge is when you become very very highly insulating Aerogel absorbs just a little bit of the sunlight yeah and then you, you and you can end up with a hot surface temperature which is never hot enough to to cause our acrylic problem the air gel is good to 700 celsius so it's not the aerogel, gel as jim said so jim's bang on in that uh the uh, and 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 so what can happen is the you know and potentially has never happened to us, but we're just aware it can happen when you get an R twenty five stack, mm-hmm. and you start absorbing just a little bit of sunlight, and you start off at you know like some of these things you know the temperatures can get up pretty high uh, uh, around that, and and when you do that you start off the high temperature, and you absorb a little in the middle, that temperature in the middle rises. Mm-hmm. so we're cautioned it's one of the cautions we do and i think we've like once ran into a condition we said we're worried that might exceed excess temperature i mean that's a long story i don't know how much yeah. interest there is in that but uh aerogel absolutely not uh and you know you, you glass you temper the glass the seals the silicate you know, and the we're aluminum and uh you know and, and and we do have our thermal breaks inside there which are plastic materials just like you know, so many systems are thermally broken. That's sensitive. That's plastic and all glass systems. And we have our stabilizing acrylics in there. And you just have to watch that just like you'd watch the thermal break. So just, it, it's all pretty ordinary stuff. Yeah, you can, if you're not careful in a glass system, like, you know, sorry, if you have exceptionally odd conditions in a glass system, yeah. you can create uh, temperatures too high. And, and we are aware of it. We watch it in our tech checks we do and everything we make. It's no different than any other insulating glass in that respect,
0: right? right. I mean, I mean you are going to blow away your seals uh if you if you have a bizarre heat condition in 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 anybody's IG unit, right? It, it, or,
2: exactly, and we are no different than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So that's 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 not unusual. Just wanted to to check on that. Uh is it hard to manufacture this stuff? Uh, do, do you need special machinery for this extremely stuff?
2: Extremely difficult. Yeah. Very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Uh, don't try this at home folks you know what we have about a dozen patents and the processes we've developed yeah and the machinery is you know the some of the core machinery uh you know we we make a a very special honeycomb that'll last all that time and fabricated and and, and whatever else and uh, that machine has probably about i think there's ten thousand parts on it and uh nine cnc axes on it yeah yeah it it is uh, it, it, it is challenging to make yeah, and mm-hmm. uh and we've over the years uh you know trying to hit quality it's the glass industry that yeah. stuff's got to come out right it's got to be built right uh and uh to build quality systems and control when we first made it it was handcrafty and you know the the quality that came out you know when we were doing it 20 years ago there was yeah. a bunch of challenges and we have over the last two decades become better and better at the product design better and better at the manufacturing to the point now that it is totally off in our ops and we have rock solid, uh, you know, proceduralized manufacturing now, but it was a, a long, hard long, long road to do it. Yeah. It was hard work and a lot of innovation to get there. Yeah. yeah you come through someday you're down, come on down here for vacation someday. I need okay, to walk through the plant. You'll, you'll find it. it it's pretty cool to see. And, and again, you'll look at it from a glass industry perspective Yeah, I know that that's kind of like IG making and it is all kind of like, you know. yeah, but
0: only kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we'll not wait. off the shelf, not off the shelf, put in your order and get your IG line in uh, no. by, by any respect. Okay. Um, cost premium over regular insulating glass?
2: Roughly, what are we talking about? Way less than a meco shade. Yeah, okay okay dramatically less and uh the question comes on how much insulation value because aerogel is still a very expensive material yeah and very expensive i uh, say that because i got to pay the bills for it i guess uh r- relative to jim can you do I, I mean it's one of those things that's custom configured uh jim if you did clear clear glass what would go from r3 per square foot up to you know let's get to an r18 maybe or Well, I think the
1: the right way to look at that, let me just diverge from that a little bit, is if you get in the low end of the performance that we have, the R3 to the R5 versus a normal IG, you're going to have a premium of anywhere from about 16 to 20%. Right. When you get up into the higher insulating materials, really the divergent is your comparison with other materials of construction. Because when you get up into really high, high insulation values, then you're starting to compare yourselves to a complex uh, buildup with rock wool and spandrel and all the rest of those things that would come together. And we're, we're actually on some tower projects where we've had to compete with that. And we've done the cost analysis of our R18 product versus those constructs. And we were about a 4% premium over that construction method. So it's, it's a value versus cost basis when you get up into those higher insulation materials. So we, we, we are a value-added, cost-additive product because we start, we're an IGU. So we start with an IGU, and then we do stuff on the inside of it that adds the value to it. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be a, a cost premium, but there's a value delivery premium as well. It is very, very well-married between the two. And that's part of the reason that we're growing the way we are right now. Uh, because the market needs it, they see it, and uh, the value that we can deliver for the value add is very worth the extra expense. We're all the way down into those metal buildings, pre-engineered metal buildings. They're paying a cost premium for it because the value is there for the illumination potential that it brings uh, uh, to an IGU. Just that one baseline value delivery adds a lot of, a lot of benefit to their their clients.
0: I I bet I'm you guys totally, are yeah. seeing growth. I I'm I'm not surprised to hear you're seeing growth, and 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 there's going to be more of it, right? Because because yeah. you know the cost was king, you know yeah. for for all of our lives, and and but now there's there's factors uh, uh, in, in these right. energy codes uh, that are that are that are uh, overcoming some of that, uh, and and, yeah. and and they and they have to. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's going on. Right. I mean, I mean, the, the, the amount of retrofits that are going to be needed yep. uh, is mind blowing.
2: Yeah, so yeah. And one, one of the things that, uh, and, and you look at, 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 the different levels, right. Cause you look at it and you go, you're buying a different building. And, and of course yeah. we, in the, you know, when you're getting the glass industry, you're, you're trying to do an apples to apples comparison and say, well, what's that versus an IG? Well, and, and as I said, I start off with that because you don't care to uh, compare it to an IG it's an IG and a meco shade. Right. which does less for your building. And oh yeah, it's a lot less than that. But if we look at that and that's not just weaseling around and pricing that that's reality, that's hard reality for what the owner has to pay in that. And, and then you got life cycle costs with energy efficiency and, and it ends up being very, very cost effective. But let me throw another comparison, uh, project Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia, wonderful place in the middle of nowhere, you know, a, a couple hours drive for me, uh, wonderful little town, uh, and uh, pride of their town, they have a civic center. It's got town offices, it's got a gym and a few other little things, and it's got an arena on it because it's Canada, right? And you got to have an arena, yeah. And uh, and and it's a beautiful building, a uh, little, little convention uh, area in it, and in it, uh, it's, yeah, like Port is like ten thousand or fifteen thousand or something like that. So it's a little place. So they built this thing, and they had a mayor who was quite a force. And uh, could make stuff happen. He said about to create the greatest civic center that a complex that a little town could ever have. And so uh, we got called in on the project, and uh, and, you know, and and talk about a success. So he took, took the arena, and uh, we delayed the arena, and, and he said, "I want optimum." He says, "I want 500 locks. I actually said 400 locks i think we're 450 it's really splitting hairs with glass you can't do that because the time of day it changes so much but he put a band slope roof uh coming around flat the top little slope around the side uh, a symmetric band of glass around so it's a it's a steel corrugated steel roof on this arena it's a budget it's a little town in nova scotia i mean these guys didn't have money back then right yeah and uh and and so it was all within very ordinary material paradigm they weren't using marble and anything like that like not happening right not in the budget uh but like brilliant architecture and then a, a, a back in that's a 2006 project and they wanted to be the greenest civic center uh in existence so and, and we were part of it we were the daylighting in the arena and they got a little bit of us in other parts of that but it's mostly in the arena so you walk in that arena from the moment the sun goes up just because of the geometry of it it was perfect geometry you have near perfect 450 lux on a cloudy day on a sunny day. i mean if it gets really gloomy you don't you got to flip the lights on but uh down to 25 percent illuminance and then when the sun comes up because the way because it, it's a big space and because it's all symmetric the light's very uniform through the day and it's stunning and every day you go in there there's never lights on people walk in that arena and, uh, take the kids in there to play hockey or adult skating, or they had world women's curling there and uh, events like that. And people say, my God, that's nice. Yeah. So, so they came along a couple of years after they built it. Uh, I'll get to the costing here in a second, a couple of years after they built it, uh, a, a business week did a series, uh, of, uh, of top 10 buildings in different genres and they did sports facilities. And they had Olympic Stadium in Greece. They had, you know, I forget what in London. And they had Port Hawksbury Arena was number seven in top uh, wow. top ten buildings in the world. And and they wrote it up. And there's two articles about it. They said it's the green. And I mean, number one, it's really nice. You walk in there and you go, wow, it's small. And it's not grand, but it, it, it's really nice. But you walk in there and you go, wow. And then secondly, the write-up was on green. And there's two paragraphs about the natural light. The last paragraph is about a company in Calgary that did heat pumping uh, geothermal part under the parking lot, into the Civic Center in the wintertime, out of the Civic Center into the parking lot and out of the rink. And, and they saved more energy than that. But, it, but again, it's green and you don't see it. So that got them top 10 sports facilities in the world. So last part of this, we calculated the price premium on it. This is 2006. Everything was different, you know, and I'm going to ballpark it. And back then, and, and again, this brilliance the architect, uh, the constraints that the town had it was about hundred and fifty dollars a square foot for that arena we calculated wow. per per square foot of floor area. You know, oh. what I mean today you couldn't build a nope. you know, I couldn't build a doghouse for that today, but uh things have changed that much. But uh, you know, and they had some shared walls, interior walls, which reduced their cost. It wasn't all, all exterior perimeter. And we looked at that, and if you looked at the cost per unit square area per unit. Uh, square foot of floor area. And you looked at the extra cost of the Solera and the very basic uh it was a lumitech curtain wall that went in that and and taken off the avoided steel in, in the project. The premium in the building was five dollars per square foot for the daylighting. Wow. And but which is talk. the noise on the day it was bid, you know, if contractors are feeling a little more flush with work. Yeah, you know, it would have been twenty bucks square foot extra, right? They they just went in a real low, got great contractor pricing, had really intelligent use of materials that looked good architecturally, but were incredibly basic commodity. You know, that's a whole style, right? My my cottage building is going to be built in that in, in that sort of design style. So uh, yeah, really cool. So you think about that, and we would say make the claim: uh, translucent daylighting. Is by far the least expensive way to build a really exciting, beautiful building that's really good for the interior. Yeah, so, I'll make that superlative statement. And I will back that up. So, now,
0: now that said, the holy grail is getting this aerogel 100 transparent <laughs> and being able to do vision glass with an aerogel fill.
1: Yeah, any chance
0: of that ever happening?
1: Not before you're retired. OK, there's there's a lot of work that's been going on. It's been the Holy Grail forever uh, to try to get that to happen. Um, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of work going on. There's a lot of work going on in, in Asia, a lot of work going on, actually down here, close to where I am at MIT, a lot of really smart people working on it um, and some good innovation going. But in order to make it water clear, uh, to make it absolutely clear like glass. You have to get absolute precise control of pore size, and it has to be less than 10 nanometers in size to get it. And the only way that you can make a product like that is to use it, use the old manufacturing process of supercritical drying of the aerogel, which makes it really difficult to manufacture, very difficult to get any kind of size to a slab of the aerogel itself, which is market limiting for it. Uh, and it also is incredibly delicate. It's very friable, um, and you think about putting something that delicate inside of an IGU with wind pressures, m- machinery handling, transit, and all the rest vibration. of that. Yeah. They, yeah, they still have not solved that part of the issue. There's a lot of work going on, but it's not going to happen in the near future. It's it's probably not going to happen. Uh, vacuum IGU will probably be commercial. At, at a reasonable scale before water clear aerogel igu as well okay that's that's my my comment on that
0: okay okay
1: yeah that makes that, sense
0: yeah that's good to know i i I, uh, I i i never i never know where the where the state of the technology is so that's that's, right. that's good to that's a that that's a good update for sure um, guys, I'm getting mindful of your time here. we have, the, 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 there was a couple of there was a couple of more questions, but we've been going along, and that's great. Uh, it's been a great discussion. um I, I just I, I'll hit quickly because the um the thing everyone's talking about is embodied carbon. uh the uh, the 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 governments are going to be asking for reporting on that. Yeah. Uh, have you guys done EPDs, LCAs, all that kind of thing they're
1: they're in process right now. And yeah the, the EPD is uh, in process with the aerogel manufacturer. Mm-hmm. With this subcritical drying process that they're using, as opposed to supercritical and other aerogel manufacturing, the embodied, the embodied carbon numbers should be on the low side. But okay. we can't make a definitive statement until we have those documents put together. Yeah. I'm going to say
2: there with the triple glazing.
1: Right. That's probably- Most of it's the glass on both sides. The right. aerogel is
2: probably lots less than the third glazing. So it's not yeah, going to be probably- anything dramatically anything yeah.
1: different than that. That's probably no. a good
0: Doug. Yep. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, putting a putting a a, a, a layer of aerogel in there versus putting a third layer of glass, uh I, I, the glass is going to be worse. Uh, uh, the glass I, will I, be like,
1: worse than the aerogel. That's far right.
0: worse because the, the. I mean, you know, the heat we have to yeah. do for for, mm-hmm. for glass. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, and the shipping and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Good. Guys, Jim Satterwhite, Doug Milburn, Milburn top guys at advanced glazing limited what a great discussion thank you for all of your uh, uh information uh really uh, uh about about this process and about this product uh, i think it's very interesting to uh for for everybody in the glass industry to understand uh, uh uh what can be done uh with 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 these aerogel products and 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 what sort of application uh you can do and 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 how great the translucent translucent lighting can be and 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 what a what an important addition that's going to be, I think, to a lot of our designs uh, going going forward because uh, because of all the all the challenges and changes that we're facing right now with with the retrofits and the energy codes and the and the health and the daylighting requirements and and, and all of that stuff. And you know, you guys have done a great job of outlining all of that for us. And uh, your 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 company and your product is fascinating. And congratulations on on being such an innovative glass product manufacturer in Canada which makes me very excited <laughs> because we don't get enough of that. <laughs> so uh, I, I, Thanks, I,
2: I, I, I I really appreciate that. And you know what? My wife says I talk too much and you're actually listening to me here. So you're making me feel really good.
0: <laughs> well, that's what you want in a podcast of somebody who's going to talk and not stop. So that's, uh, <laughs> and And where do you go but Sydney, Nova Scotia for that? Right. So that's that's yeah, absolutely all right. Jim, Doug, thank you guys both very much, and uh, hope to uh, hope to see you around the uh, around the campfire soon.
1: Be thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. Take care.
0: Fenestration Conversation
2: is a presentation
0: of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.